Hello, spiritual seekers on this Life Too Grand Day. We're here now at the Real Eagles Store podcast um, for the Takur Falls College campus. Um, and the theme is being brave in this hour, in this time of, um, you know, just uh, all kinds of controversy and chaos in this world. And we're all seeking for something, one thing or another. Today, I have um, an awesome man of God um, standing before us as a guest. Dr. Hollingsworth, he teaches intro to communication on my campus. And I truly believe that he is um, called and equipped for this hour to intercede for the youth and to equip us for uh, to go out into the world for leadership. Um, Dr. Um, Hollins, um, how do you feel today? I'm feeling pretty good, really good. That's Thank good. you. That's good. I appreciate that. Yes, yes, sir. So let's let's bombard heaven uh, with a word of prayer. And then, um, you know, I just have a few questions on your insight, uh, you know, as far as like communication, because today we're living in a you know tech world of technology and, and we barely, rarely do um, like old days, traditional communication. Like you, you don't go to the payphone no more. So right. <laughs> but, um, right. let's let's um, bombard heaven. In the name of Jesus, Abba, I appreciate you for this time and opportunity to communicate and fellowship with Dr. Hollingsworth. And I pray, God, that this word will saturate and then go out into the highways and byways to uh, compel your people to come and seek you in this hour. For you said if we seek you, then we shall find you. And I pray that the youth, God, that they will come knocking with their heart open to receive. Uh, Father God, I pray that you lift Dr. Hollingsworth up and all that he, who he comes in contact with, that the floodgates of heaven will um, just flow out on him. And Father God, you said in this hour, you know, that you'll provide all that we need and by your stripes we're already healed. And I just pray that this word will just um, um, be a light in the community. For you said that we are to be a light that sits on a hill that shines in darkness. For those who are lost, uh, I thank you for... Um, just been the opportunity to for us to be a voice in the world and that this will just saturate our campus and saturate um, the courthouse and saturate the churches and it'll bring unity for you said that my um, house that is divided against itself it would not stand and us as a multicultural generation uh, being prepared for the latter-day church in my in your in my father's mighty name i pray thank you father god for such a time as this Okay, Mr. Holland's word. Um, um, you know, I know the word says, you know, that we're supposed to train up a child in the way that we should go. Because um, when they're old, we won't depart from it. So I wanted you to expound on, you know, because in this multicultural generation that we're living in, we have so many people uh, with different outlooks and beliefs and, and communication. Just um, expound on different ways to communicate uh, effectively. I know one thing you said that was real that stands on my mind. Um, the other day when you said, like, for us, like, communicate, like, uh, your feelings or breaking up and via text, uh, stuff like that. I thought that that was very powerful because, you know, that's what, that's what people talk nowadays. So could you just expound a little bit more on communication and, you know, just. So, uh, well, making reference to what you just were mentioning about something we had talked in the class that uh, we're in. Uh, that was something that was, I know as a college professor, I see a lot of college students, especially that get into relationships. And, uh, and I know that a lot of times those relationships can go south and they end up breaking up. So the reason I said that, the reason I said that is that we get so comfortable 
using technology as a almost as a um, a, as a a hiding place to hide behind something because we're very vulnerable whenever we're face to face with someone. Mm -hmm. And there's that protection or safety to not only be on a phone, but even be distant from someone. So if we want to, we could immediately turn them off or, you know, it's a lot easier to do that. But if you're face to face with someone, you can't just turn them off. I mean, they're right there. (laughs) My point was that even even if someone was in a, uh, a romantic relationship and they're breaking it off uh-huh. and tr- it's a hard thing to do. And it's awful. Usually it's an awful situation. Hearts are broken. People are angry, but part of it is recognizing to still be able to, even if you are angry with someone or you disagree with someone, the importance of being civil, the yeah. importance of saying, I'm really upset with you. I am even angry with you. And especially in cases where someone may have uh, betrayed someone with something they said or did. Um, I believe it's important that you have that face to face, even as you break off a relationship, especially a romantic relationship and not hide behind a phone and send a quick text and say, we're done. You know, exclamation point, sad that there's, there's, that requires courage and it requires um, the ability to, keep civil and to let someone know that this relationship is not working and to be able to do it in a way where you can um, end the relationship, but do it face to face, not hiding behind technology, hiding behind a text or, you know, a letter. Now recognize I've told students before, it may be a long distance relationship and the person may be on the other side of the world. In that case, obviously you do need to, you know, if you're going to end it, you still have to use mediated technology to do that. But if you're able to do that face to face. I think it's so important that even in broken relationships to still be civil with each other. Yes, and uh, that kind of requires you to do that when you're face to face to give, to save face, to respect someone, but at the same time, speak the truth, but to do it with grace. Okay, great, great. Um, and as far as like communication etiquette uh, in like them, like, you know, we have, uh, there's so many um, cultural beliefs especially like on the campus and you dealing with ministry, uh, how, what is a better way to uh, employ communication etiquette in today's time, especially like dealing with different, different people, different beliefs. Yes. Did I make sense? Okay. Go ahead. I think so. And I, I'll, I'll respond. And if I, if it doesn't look like I'm going in the right direction, you can, you can say, wait a second, uh, what I meant to say. So, but I think I understand what you're saying. But when you, one of the things related to communication is, as you're saying, recognize that not everyone's like me and not everybody's like you. We have a lot of things that are in common. I mean, the fact that God has created us in his image, yes. the fact that we are created and we also have the ability to create. Yes. We can create words. We can create written words. We can create images on uh, paper. We can draw on the sand. We can send images on technology. All of those are symbols that we use, and that's what we do. We communicate. We, we create nonstop with the words that we speak, with the words that we write, with the words that we type, um, and, and even emojis and pictures and drawings and <laughs> GIFs or GIFs, however you want to pronounce those little moving videos that kind of say, you know, a cat dancing, you know, saying happy birthday. Um, all of those things are symbols that other people would recognize. So we we have a lot of things in common in the sense that we're created in God's image. Yes. Now whether now whether someone acknowledges that or not doesn't really matter because you can say I can say to my father, my real father, and say I don't believe in you and you don't exist. 
Uh-huh. He's still going to exist, and he's yeah. still going to be my father, whether I acknowledge it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, we we have that commonality that God has created us in His image, so we create, and we we have a, a yearning to communicate with others. God has created us as social creatures. They say one of the ways we know that we're social creatures is that we cannot tickle ourselves. Oh yeah. <laughs> so so I mean I could try to tickle myself, but. I know that I'm a social creature because if my, my wife starts to tickle me or someone, anybody, a stranger can start tickling me and I'll start laughing. Yeah. And it's like, I can't tickle myself. So apparently we've been created, uh, even with yawns, you know, we see someone else yawn. Yes. We have a tendency to start yawning ourselves, yes. whether we're tired or not. So there's, there are indicators that we are social creatures. And even the fact that we long to be with others, we long yes. to communicate, we long to uh, be seen. We long to be heard, to be yeah. acknowledged. And, and vice versa, others have that same need as well. So there's a lot of things that we have been created with that are common. Yeah. But there's also the recognition that we have also been created very differently from each other. Yes. Um, not only, and I'm not referring just to even uh, races or ethnicities or people in other countries, uh, but even within a family, even within a family, you can have twins and twins can be very different from each other because even though they may look alike, you think, oh, they're the same. They can be very, very different from each other. So God has created us similarly, and he also has created us uniquely from each other. Yes. So, but, but then when you do throw in the, the idea of someone that comes from another country, yes. and they, they use a different symbol set, and they're yes. very familiar with their language, mm-hmm. but they're not familiar with the language that we use and vice versa, then you're going to start running into miscommunication, or as I always, always talk about, missed communication that I I didn't get it at all. I mean, I heard you, but I have no idea. I've missed the whole meaning altogether. So when we talk about communication etiquette, one of the things is to recognize that even though we have things in common, we also have to acknowledge that the person we're talking to, even though they may look different or they may look similar, they're going to have some things that are different about them. So for example, I can see, for example, another white male, And assume that they're just like me, but they may be a white male from Germany. And so they have a different language set. Uh I can also I can see a black female and assume that she's an African-American. And I make some assumptions about that. But Mm -hmm. it may turn out that she's not American at all. She's actually an African from Zambia. And so I say, oh, she's dark skinned. She must be Mm African-American. And a lot of times we make assumptions just based on those initial indicators, skin color, um, you know, an accent that someone has. And sometimes we make assumptions about people. So a lot of times we need to make, be careful of making, we have to use assumptions. We have to make generalizations because we don't have time to find out every piece of information about every single person that we run into on the street. So a lot of times we may, we may have to make assumptions, but at the same time to be very intentional of knowing that that other person may have a lot of differences from me, they may not see the world exactly as I see it. Yes. So one part of that etiquette is to recognize that not everybody sees the world just like me. Not everybody is coming from a Christian worldview. They yes. may be coming from a you know a, a, Hin- a Hindu background. They may be coming from a, a Confucius background or yes. a Buddhist background yes. or an atheist or an ag- agnostic, and they don't have any claim at all to any type of God or gods in their lives. Mm-hmm. So just because someone may even look like you 
they may have a completely different view of the world and the universe and, and what that's like. Yes. So part of the etiquette as we're talking about this is the one respect the fact yes. that we probably have some differences, even if we have similarities. Yes, and I want to try to be respectful of those differences mm. as I'm communicating with you. So that would be, that'd be the first thing I would say is be aware that we have some similarities, but also be respectful of the fact that the other person may be very different from you, even if they do look like you or vice versa. Yes. They may not look anything like you, uh-huh. but they may have very similar internal similarities of their worldview, their beliefs. So uh, that would be the one of the first rules is recognize people are similar, but also recognize their differences and respect those differences. So that'd be the first thing I would I would say is important with communication. Okay, okay. I, I, yeah, I can relate to that um, because like you said, um, being respectful, you know, one thing treating treating one a person as like as though you would want to be treated. So that 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 I can correlate with that. Um, my next question is um Oh, okay, we already talked about that. Uh, <laughs> I wanted you. I wanted to ask you about. Um, okay, like you said, we have different. Uh, it's different beliefs, uh, different cultural uh, ethnicities, and stuff like that. But like, as far as like inside the church, um, you know, because a lot of people, I, I'm noticing this begin to be mixed, and then some of them is getting to where they're um, they're staying within their their cultural, and but even though. Because the latter day says that in the latter day, the church, a lot of people want to come flock into one um, church to right. hear the word from God. So, um, as far as like, even if the church did become one, what is your input on rebuke inside the church? As far as you know, because you're a minister, um, and right. you lead, uh, so I just feel like the church is a little bit out of out of order, <laughs> and the church is not rebuking. And as far as like communicating effectively the uh, the correct way of rebuke inside the church. Oh, okay. I I think I know what you're saying because within the body of Christ and within the church, we know from Scripture. I mean, whether it's Paul or any of the apostles that are writing letters, the epistles, uh-huh. and we know that the epistles. Uh, they're designed to be letters of instruction, yes. instruction, not to just everybody, but instruction for the body of Christ in the church and how the church should work. And, mm-hmm. and how do you live together? How do you actually, as you're saying, how do you go about edifying? How do you go about rebuking? Yes. How do you go about doing church discipline? Yes. And I think and I will say that one of the catchphrases um, that our culture has thrown out, I know we have catchphrases like cancel culture. Uh, we have catch, catchphrases that talk about um, being tolerant of others. And I think those are really good things. But within the body of Christ, there are times, and even Jesus himself demonstrated not just tolerance, because he, he, he was very much accepting and loving of sinners. And think about the sinful woman, uh, the woman at the well, the woman that was being stoned for adultery. I mean, he was very loving and caring, but he also was that was he was also very intolerant whenever he came to the temple. Yes, and sir. you may remember that story. I mean, we always picture Jesus being loving and healing people. But uh-huh. He got mad and he was not going to tolerate these individuals that had taken his father's house and turned it into a den of thieves. They turned it into a marketplace yeah. and he was mad and he yeah. was not tolerant yeah. <laughs> it was mad to the point where 
He was rebuking them yes. and saying, literally, he was talking about in my father's house, in my temple, my father's temple, this is not good. This is wrong. And he spoke out against it to the point where some of the gospels actually identify where he turned the tables over. Mm-hmm. You know, the animals are going everywhere. He even had a cord of three where he put a whip together. is like swinging it around. People are like, whoa, wow. he means business. And, and that to me is not a picture of tolerance. Yeah. <laughs> so in a culture, I think, I think you need to understand the context too. Uh, anyone that hears that story, because the context is he's talking about his father's house. Yes. Well, in the same way, as you're saying, Within the body of Christ, within the church, we probably have heard the word, you know, we need to be tolerant. You know, we need to, to we need to be able to tolerate. We need to respect the diversity and all those types of things. Well, sometimes within the body of Christ, we've used that that phrase tolerate so much that we've actually watered down what God has provided for the church as rules of how we should live as brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. And so a lot of times, because the world is saying, oh, You've got to tolerate this belief system. You've got to tolerate this way of life. You've got to tolerate that person's belief system. And I will say there's a difference in living in a multicultural, pluralistic society like the United States, because it really is. I mean, there are people from all walks of life, and we're all trying to live together. That's different because there are there are a set of rules that work for a government and a nation, but within the body of Christ, there are rules specifically for those who have chosen to say, we follow Christ. We yes. believe in the word, God's word. And we believe that God's word gives us guidance and gives us rules of things of how to live life so that we will be blessed, so yes. that we will be able to live in harmony with each other. But he's also given us rules of things not to do. Yes. You know, don't do these things. Don't be sleeping with your dad's, <laughs> you know, ex-wife's, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and their letters. These things should not be. And this yeah. is happening in the church and you need to stop it. And you, yeah. you can't just tolerate that kind of behavior. So I do believe that's very clear, whether it's Paul's writing or John or Peter, as yeah. they're writing and they're they're giving instructions, they're mm-hmm. saying, okay, these are rules for living within the church. But also there are things that you cannot do and you should not do. And if individuals are doing those things, and this is the hard part, if people are doing those things, they need to be rebuked. Yes. They, they need to be told, you can't keep on doing this. I'll give an example of when my wife and, do, when my wife and I do pre-marriage counseling. Uh-huh. And, and we're talking to people that are not married, and they are believers, yes. and they go to a church. But then you find out through the conversation that they actually are living together mm-hmm. as believers because culture has said, yeah, it's okay to do that. You got to live with somebody, kind of test the waters, make sure this is the person. And not just living together. I mean, they're having, having sexual relations with each other. Ah. And if, if we're aware of that, and we know that their body, they're in the body of Christ, you know, pastors sometimes have to say, I understand this is going on, and you've got to stop that. Yes. You've got to stop living together. Yes. And, you, and you need to stop having sexual relationships with yes. each other if you're not married. Once you're married, then you may live together and you may have sexual relations. So within the body of Christ, that's expected. And you wow. should should do that. But outside of the church, that seems ludicrous. Yes. That seems like, <laughs> mind your own business. You can't yes. tell me how to live my life. Yes. That's, the, that's the American pluralistic perspective versus yes. within the body of the, the church, the body of Christ. There are rules. And we're told that when people are not following those rules, they need to be confronted. 
And again, it even gives instructions on when you do confront someone to make sure you have a witness and approach yeah. them with love, but speak the truth, but speak the truth with grace. Yeah. And then say, basically, you need to stop doing that. You need to stop doing it. Just like whenever, um, oh, I just went blank on um, um, David, when he was confronted by, uh, I just went blank on, um, uh, not Samuel. Was it Samuel? I think it was Samuel that confronted him and said, basically confronted him about basically sleeping with another man's wife that he'd gotten Bathsheba pregnant. And he had confronted oh, yes, yes, yes. And, and, and he had basically confronted the, the priest had confronted him. The prophet came up to him, basically used the analogy about a man had a whole bunch of sheep. Yeah. And he no, took yeah. That one man that had one sheep and yeah. he stole it. You know, yeah. he, he said, do you think that's a good thing? And David said, no, that's a bad thing. And he said, yeah. you're that man. You took that man's sheep. You took his wife. And that's wrong. You committed a sin. And then David you know, tears his robe open. He realizes I'm yeah. confronted. He realizes he had done wrong. But he had to be rebuked. He had to be confronted mm. as opposed to saying, that's that's your own business. I better not interfere with that. So it's it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing. But it does need to be done within the body of Christ. With speak the truth, but speak it with grace. And make sure you follow those proper procedures of making sure that someone is a witness and that you're not, you know, confronting someone, yeah. th those types of things without having someone that can say, yes, we support what you're doing. We love you, but we also disagree with what you're doing and you really need to shape up or you're going to have to stop participating in the body of Christ and the, you know, the communion and, or leading a Sunday school class or whatever that thing is. You, you're going to have to step down unless you make those wrong things, right. Yeah. You correct those things in your life. So yeah, that's, I think that's important. And it should be. So all that to say, we should be tolerant. We should respect. We should show love to those who are different from us. But within the body of Christ, we should also be able to speak the truth in love. And we're doing it not because we hate somebody. Mm -hmm. We're doing it because we love somebody. Yes. We're speaking the truth because we know that out of love, we're saying what you're doing is wrong. And somebody needs mm -hmm. to tell you. And I'm the one that God has brought to you to say, that's wrong. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. But you can't keep doing that because really bad things are going to come out of that if you don't turn around right now. Yes, I, I, I truly, you said a mouthful there. Uh, as far as like, especially like, as far as like taking uh, a witness, because you know, the Bible says, if you know, um, if your brother, how many times you're supposed to forgive a brother? And uh, seven times seven. If you you're supposed to uh, approach them in private, if they don't receive you in private, then you take them. Um, you don't say before a witness, and then if they don't receive you, then you take them before the church. Why do um do you give me your input on why you think that that's not being done nowadays? I mean, the church is just it's just so open. Um, why do you feel as though why why did they're not rebuking nowadays in the church? I think for a couple of reasons, um, and and part of this comes from my own experience. Uh, I've been teaching in the college uh, level at different Christian colleges. And I've taught at public uh, colleges as well in the very beginning of my teaching career. So I'm, I'm actually, I, I couldn't believe it the other day when I started counting back and I ran out of fingers and toes, but I, I started teaching at college in 1992. So here it is 2022. So I'm, this is, I just finished 30 years of teaching, but prior to that, I spent 10 years um, working in a church as a youth pastor, youth minister, and uh, so I did that for, for 10 years at different churches, but primarily with youth groups. But there were, I mean, I was also working, you know, as a full-time staff member, 
uh, being a part of a, of a staff of a church, you know, leading yeah. a church, shepherding a church. Yes. And my responsibility was primarily with the young people, their parents, the youth workers. So that was kind of my area of responsibility of shepherding. But I do know, I remember because Sunday, you know, Sunday is supposed to be a day of rest. But if you're a minister in the church, yeah. it's not a day of rest. Yeah, I mean, I you are working, <laughs> shaking hands and praying with people and yeah. leading a worship service and singing songs and uh -huh. preaching a sermon. By the end of the day, you're going, uh, I need a rest. So yeah. usually, and, and the churches I've worked in, whether there was a, a staff of maybe two of us, one church I worked at, there was the pastor, and I was the only other you know, full-time vocational minister mm -hmm. of the church as a youth minister. But I've also worked at a church that had about, I would say, eight to ten full-time staff members. Wow. It was a large enough church where they had you know, the lead pastor, yes. uh, they had an associate pastor, they had a wow. children's minister, a youth minister, wow. they had a senior adult minister. Wow. You know, you have all these different, we, had, we actually had a deaf minister. We had a minister because it's a downtown city church. So talking about different cultures, uh -huh. one subculture within the body of Christ in that church in Tallahassee, Florida, yes. was, I would say there's about 20 to 30 deaf people Ooh. that, I mean, they literally could not hear. And so on a Sunday when the pastor was preaching up at the pulpit wow. over on the right side with another little podium was a guy doing sign language 100 miles an hour. <laughs> and the deaf, you know, there's a group of about 20 to 30 that were sitting there shaking their head, understanding what he was saying because yeah, there was right. someone translating for them. Yeah. And uh, but the reason I mentioned that was a very large church. So Sunday was a very busy day. Everybody's yeah. doing their own thing. And then Monday... Monday was when we gathered together uh -huh. and sit around the table, you know, kind of like Jesus and his disciples. Yeah. We sit around the table and we talk about, let's talk about what happened this past week. What happened in your area of responsibility yesterday at church? You know, what things uh -huh. do we need to be aware of? What people are in the hospital? What, you know, what couples, what families in your youth group, maybe you're going through divorce and we need uh -huh. to be praying for them and see if we can help them with counseling. Um, you know, what, what kid is is um, was suicidal and wrote us, you know, is talking about killing himself. Yes. So we start talking on Monday morning, uh -huh. and part of what we did was talking about how we want to reach out to the community. Yes, and churches, and, and I think one of the things that we see is that churches are starting to look more and more like coffee shops. Yes. You know, because a coffee shop is a place where anybody can go and everybody can yeah. come together and there's music playing, there's coffee and donuts and snacks <laughs> and people feel comfortable. They're sitting, they, they can dress in their jeans and their, you know, T-shirt, yeah. tennis shoes or flip-flops. And yeah. so a number of decades ago, especially in California, uh, there's a church called Calvary Chapel that actually mm -hmm. kind of started that movement. And I don't think it's a bad thing, but it was the idea of... Formal church, people feel like I got to dress up to meet God and, I, and I've got to get rid of all my sins and I'm not good enough to go to church yeah. like those people that are dressed up. Those, those Christians, you know, they're, they're forgiven. They're good people. They're doing the right thing. I'm not one of them as a sinner. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not going to go there because they're going to see that I'm a sinner right away because I don't have good clothes. Uh, you know, I just have raggedy jeans. Uh, so, this, so this church in California, um, they ended up, this is many decades ago, but kind of started that Jesus culture. And when uh -huh. I say Jesus culture, it was the idea of, um, you know, get, get rid of that big bulky podium and just have a small little coffee table up there. Uh -huh. and, and instead of getting that big old thick heavy Bible that might scare people, <laughs> you know, use, use your iPad, you know, with the Bible yeah. on it. 
because that's what they're used to. That's what people that don't know the body of Christ, that don't know who Jesus is, they don't know who Christians are. That's their world. And so, you know, coming to a really formal big church with stained glass windows and people praying and, and they, it's like, we don't know what that's all about. So I can tell you, at least from my experience, there was, there's like the two things you were trying to do internally. You're trying to disciple the followers of Christ, uh-huh. right? The body of Christ. I mean, that's, I mean, we're supposed to disciple. We're supposed to teach, but on the other side, we're also trying to reach out as the church and we're trying to you know, spread the gospel, evangelize, baptize in Jesus name, but not just baptize. You're also teaching them. Uh-huh. So sometimes, sometimes you just dunk them and send them on their way. Yeah. And part of the church is to reach out, share the gospel to those who don't know Christ. And mm-hmm. when they do come to know Christ, then you begin teaching them. You disciple them. You teach them God's word. Well, you need both that internal discipling, but you also need that evangelistic reaching out. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of times the church sometimes is so focused on the reaching out yes. and getting those people who know nothing about church. Uh-huh. And the, want to be on tiktok and zoom and watching funny videos and that's what the sermons end up being a lot of little videos here and a funny little thing i found on youtube here and so it's like hey it's like america's funniest videos yeah i like church i got coffee in one hand a donut in another and i'm watching tv at church so a lot of times we get so focused on reaching the loss which is good and it is one part of what we're supposed to do that we sometimes forget that the church itself, the body of Christ, is also about discipling, yes. edifying, yes. rebuking, going yes. back to your earlier question. So yes. sometimes we get so caught up on being tolerant mm. and, and being pleasing and, mm. and trying to woo people to our church. And, oh, we don't want it to look like a church because they're afraid of church. So let's make it look like a coffee shop. And again, I don't have a problem with that. Yes. <laughs> but when you become so focused on just being easy for people to come and hang out you forget that other side of the coin which is conviction you know making people being convicted of their sin turning away from their sin and once they turn away from their sin and turn to Mm -hmm. christ then you have to start growing within the body of christ and that's where the discipling rebuking edification all those types of things happen within the body of christ so that's a long shot of it. That's that's kind of my feeling about reaching out, tolerating, and kind of forgetting that there are other parts of the body of Christ have other responsibilities besides just evangelism. Yes. And it's not just evangelism. It's not just discipling. It's both. And you got to have both of those kind of working together. Yes. Well, you said a mouthful there. And um, I truly, and I agree with you as far as like, you know, the church becoming a place to hang out. And um, I believe in the beginning, the God says, come as you are. But at some point in time, there should be some growth. And like you said, discipling, and it should you should be shifting to where you don't look like you did when you first came in. It's right. a conversion, right. conversion. And I think, like you said, that they're so used to coming and hanging out, and they just bringing everything that they came in with. And when they leave out, instead of emptying it out at the altar or, you know, uh, being convicted in their sins, is just you don't allow the word to wash away their sins. They going back out the same way that they came in. And, <laughs> and I just believe, cause you know, whenever I got my, when I first started going to church, um, 
I wasn't going to church for myself. I, I just knew the lifestyle that I was living and it wasn't good for my kids. So I said, I was going to take them to church. <laughs> I wasn't oh, going to church. Got to kids. Got to fix your kids. Yeah. And God got a hold of me and it started changing me instead of, you know what I'm saying, for the kids. So um, I you, just. He used your kids to bring you into the church, right? Yeah, and he did. He did. He did. I mean, it was such an and he got a hold of me fast too, um, Doctor Hollingsworth. Because <laughs> I remember, I did I, before I would start going to church, I couldn't have told you a scripture. I couldn't have told you the first book of the Bible or nothing. And this was in two thousand eight. So, um, yeah. an awesome woman of God. She was just real powerful in prayer, and I just used to hear her pray, and I used to just watch them in the church, and I was like, wow. Man, I would, you know, so I would like to, you know, pray like that, not like her, but I wanted to get to know what she was praying about. And we oh, had a prayer yeah. service one day, and uh, it was just so awesome. And before I knew it, I knew the, I didn't know nothing about being slain in the spirit, uh, the Holy Ghost hitting you, and stuff like that. And it actually happened, so I know that it's possible. And and ever since then, it just little bit by little bit, it's like pulling pulling out those layers of onions. Uh, God just started right. ripping off the onions off of me. And, and when I first heard, you know, God saying, I want you to come and preach the word of God. And I'm like, now I know. I was at work. I never forget it. And I was like, now I know. I'm so I looked around. I'm like, now I know I'm not hearing in my spirit, you know, in my spirit that God has wanted me to preach. So I went to, to the mother, the lady that was praying, and she's in the family, and told her. She's like, well, we're going to go to the bishop, and we're going to tell the bishop, and uh, we're going to go from there. So uh, I believe in conversion. I believe in, you know, I know that it is possible. And I just, uh, we as ministers would like to reach out to the community to, to let them know that, you know, that it is possible. That, you know, you can change and not, you know, I hate that the church, people feel like they're being judged, like they can't be themselves. At some point in time in the church that there should be a level of respect for coming inside the house of God and know and look for a change and, and see change and not just a place to hang out because you can hang out at the club. Uh, I never forget. Uh, I was talking and I began to learn about uh, spiritual warfare and, and fighting in the church and division in the church. And I remember one of the elders told me one day, she was like, uh, you got to learn how to fight. And I was like, I was so bummed back from my mind. I was like, what in the world is she talking about? Fight? I don't want to fight. If I want to fight, I could have stayed out in the streets and parted in the streets. But as I grew, I began to learn what she was talking about. So, uh, yes, that is true. Uh, the body of Christ uh, being converted and stuff like that. I have truly enjoyed this. Let's see. Um, uh, yes. Well, I guess that's the part about, I was going to ask about the part about unity. How, how do you think... Um, in this multicultural generation, bring in, because you see, we got so many churches and so and just about on every corner, more of like coming together in corporate worship and praise. Because I believe if we can come together and cut out, because it's so divided right now. Um, what's your input on unity and division? It is, I've always thought, even when I was younger, um, I thought it was strange that you would see especially in a larger town, you would drive down a street and you could call it church street because you would see, you know, the Baptist church, the Methodist church, you know, the black Baptist church, the white Baptist church, the missionary Baptist, the uh, Episcopal church. You see all these different churches and all of them, you know, glorifying God. But at the same time, it just struck me as strange that everybody was going to a different location because 
there were certain things that this denomination that they didn't like. And so they liked it better in this denomination or certain beliefs or things that went with it. But I will say that um, one of the one of the images that I can see when we lived in Tennessee, um, we lived in a small town in Dayton, Tennessee, which is very similar to where I'm living now in Toccoa, Georgia. Ah. It's kind of away from the big city. So Chattanooga would have been the big city, uh, just like Atlanta would be the big city toward Toccoa. And so we lived about maybe 40, 50 minutes away from the big city. But I remember um, in our church where we went, it was primarily a, a white church. You had wow. maybe a couple of, of people of color that were there, but for the most part, it was mostly a white church. But I remember we went with one of our students. They had invited us to go to their church. It was called New City Church, wow. and it was downtown Chattanooga. And I remember as we drove down, um, and, and usually in metropolitan areas, you'll have a lot more diversity. You have people wow. from all different you know, different races, languages, the bigger the city, the more diversity. Look at New York, obviously Chicago, they're going to have, you know, lots of different languages and uh, nationalities represented in a city. Sometimes, sometimes uh, we talk about the United States, about this idea of uh, the United States is a melting pot. I don't know if you've heard that phrase, but the idea of a melting pot, if you go to places like uh, where they do um, the chocolate, different types of chocolate, and they put it in a pot and they heat it up, and the different types of chocolate melt together, or if it's cheese, you ah. have all these different types of cheeses, they're all square separately, but then they kind of all melt together. Oh. Well, the United States sometimes is called the melting pot because you have all these different nationalities, immigrants from other countries that have come here to, you know, the promised land is the United ah. States. Like, everything's better here in the United States. But someone told me, I remember reading one time, they said the United States is not as much a melting pot where we've all just kind of blurred together. Mm -hmm. We're more like, some people said it's more like a salad yeah. because a salad, you still it's all mixed together, uh, but you still can see the tomatoes. You can still yeah. see the carrots. You can still uh -huh. see the lettuce. You can still uh -huh. see the cucumbers. You can still see the bell pepper. And, uh, <laughs> and then others said, that's kind of an idea of different people mixing together. And that, that's yeah. one of the things... I saw in this one church where there are people from all different races and people from different backgrounds. And even, even the logo for the church that they used, they had a picture of a cross mm -hmm. and they had a brown hand holding the bottom of the cross. And then they had a white hand ah. and then they had a black hand okay. and then they had a red, so they had like these four different, you know, red and yellow, black and white. So yes. they had these four different colored hands, but all yeah. of them, were supporting the cross. They were all coming together. It was okay. one of the first times, symbolically, that was a beautiful picture of kind of mm -hmm. the salad. You know, all these different people mixed together and coming to church. And and we went inside the church, and sure enough, I mean, you saw, you know, you saw red, yellow, black, white, uh -huh. Hispanic. You saw people of all different backgrounds. Yes. Um, and actually, even in the worship service, they actually had some songs in English, some songs in Spanish. Uh -huh. And at one point, they had a group of uh, people come up and do a song that was like a, an African-American traditional song. Yeah. And they had the drums going on. This is all in the same worship service. So they had Hispanic songs going on. They had African-American kind of traditional uh -huh. songs going on. And they had, you know, white praise worship song going on. So they're doing all this all mixed together. So it made me think of that the idea of a salad with all these different parts. They look very different, but they all came together as a salad. But then someone, 
Someone told another example that sometimes, though, this goes back to the different churches that are in the same neighborhood, yeah. said that maybe more like a patchwork quilt <laughs> instead of a salad, yeah. a patchwork quilt. Actually, I don't know if you can you can see over here in the on my wall over here. Uh, uh, well, I've got I'm in the in our master bedroom, and those are quilts that my my wife's grandmother made for her. Okay, they're basically squares, and yeah. each square is very clearly different, but each square is completely separate. So yes. you have this square, one color, another square, another color, yes. another square. And so you again picture a quilt, yes, and sir. I do think. That that might be, that might be more representative of the United States in the sense that you go to New York, you say, "Oh, New York is a melting pot and everybody's together." But if you actually start walking through New York or Chicago, uh, you're a little Chinatown. Yes. You're a little Italy. Yes. You're running to little Cuba. You're running uh, to little, you know, Korea, uh, and literally every one of those different cultures are like a patchwork quilt they're all together in new york uh -huh. but they're also separate they have their yeah. own you know their own town council okay. their own shops their own you know language that they use signs are in their respective language so it's in chinese and little chinatown you got in japanese and little Jap japan you got spanish and little cuba you yeah. italian and little italy so they're together and they do kind of cross over periodically, but they kind of stay in their own little square of the quilt. Okay, yes, I feel that. I think the body of Christ should be more, not necessarily a melting pot where we lose our personal identity with our own yes. ethnic background uh -huh. or our own nationality. That would be a melting pot. And I don't think we need to be, you know, separately living our lives uh -huh. close to each other, but completely separate. That would be a quilt. Yes. I do think the salad is a really good idea of yeah. us being different, not losing our unique identities, uh -huh. ethnically speaking, but at the same time coming together and mixing together and celebrating yeah. the body of Christ and the diversity and the unity represented in the salad. So I think those three pictures kind of tell different stories. Yeah. We're not losing our identity with a melting pot. Yeah. We're not completely separate yeah. like a in little Chinatown, we are more like a salad in the body of Christ that we can see the differences, but we're still integrating, we're mixing together, and there's unity in that diversity of the body of Christ come together. And, and I think that's what the first Corinthians passage, when it talks about the body of Christ, you know, being different, but all coming together for that common purpose of the head of Christ being the head of the body. Those are my I like the salad. <laughs> yeah, I like the salad. Okay. I like the salad. Well, I, I've enjoyed this time. Um, I won't. I won't too much hold you up because um, you have gave a great insight uh, on you know communication and uh, correction in the body of Christ, which is I truly believe in this day and time that we're living in, especially with the youth, it is much needed because um, they're like they're all they're away from home. They'll look for something, seek for something, and they're, you know, looking for guidance, but don't know how to come out about it. And, um, you know, just being able to put this out there, you know, from time to time is something that they can just, you know, look for encouragement in this time, whenever they may be down to be like, well, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do, or I'm, I'm lost. And then they, you know, probably pick up something or see something and hear something that you may have said about coming together and seeking, you know what I'm saying, seeking um, for guidance in, within this world of a multi-generation. Right. 
and one last question i want to leave you alone um as far as like your insight because <laughs> you, you you give some good i mean i've, I've enjoyed this um what um as far as like you know because some people i know the bible says you know that we're if you don't believe that jesus walked in the flesh then you know um then your faith is you don't have faith in christ jesus but as far as like your spiritual level belief uh uh, okay. Um, involvement within the spiritual realm. What is what is your belief level as far as like that? Um, uh, movement in the spirit, uh, uh, operating spiritual gifts uh, in that level. Sure. And I know even within the body of Christ, that probably goes back to different folks and different denominations feel uh, strongly one way or the other, especially when you talk about the Holy Spirit. Some people refer to him as the Holy Ghost. And, um, but I do know, I mean, there is no denying that God has uh, manifest himself, not only through his word, but also through his son, Jesus Christ. And even Jesus himself said that when I leave you, I will be leaving you the spirit as well. The spirit, you will have a comforter. You'll have a paraclete is the, the term that in the uh, Greek that we know is that the, the Holy Spirit manifested and we saw that mm -hmm. in the idea of Acts chapter two you know when the you know the flames of a fire appeared like you know tongues of fire over the people's heads and they're speaking a language they didn't understand and a lot of people called that you know the kickstarting of the church well here are these individuals that were uneducated these disciples that couldn't speak they weren't trained to speak in other languages and yet for some reason in this metropolitan area mm -hmm. in Acts two it's it's the it's the bringing back together what a lot of people call happened in Genesis with the Tower of Babel. You know, the Tower of Babel is where all people spoke one language and then God confused them and they end up speaking different language. And they were so confused. All the language groups went in different directions. So you had this kind of division that was going on in Genesis. And Acts chapter two brings it all back together because you have all these people that spoke different languages from different cultures, different nationalities, but in the marketplace, you know, there's a common place for them to be doing deals and translating, trying to figure out what's going on. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit became real and active and kickstarted the church that day because thousands wow. came to know Christ because these men who could not speak another language were suddenly speaking in a language that the other people could actually understand. And I know without going to the theology related to the Holy Spirit and uh, the manifestation of the Spirit, you know, wow. and, and speaking in tongues and whether someone's translating or prophesying and someone has to translate or if it's a personal prayer language that someone's speaking that they don't even know what they're saying, but the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit knows. But on that day in Acts chapter two, I mean, it's very clear that the Holy Spirit manifested itself through these natural men mm. doing supernatural abilities they didn't know how to speak these languages yet. Suddenly they're speaking and telling about Christ, the risen Lord. Okay. And people are, are hearing them and the miracle of them hearing them, knowing that that's not their language, but I can hear you speaking my language and I'm listening to what you're saying. So this truly is a miracle. And there's something bigger than us happening right here. So that, you know, a lot of people call that the kickstarting of the church, but it really was a powerful yeah. demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now over you know, the eons of the church and the truth, yeah. you know, the growth of the church and the teaching about the Holy Spirit and how different mm -hmm. people interpret that, and what that means and what Paul meant. You know, he said, you know, I can speak, you know, if I can speak, you know, and, and do all these different things, I can heal people and speak in different languages. But if I don't have love, then I'm nothing. I'm like a tingling symbol. Okay. And so we recognize that Paul himself said those are good gifts. Mm -hmm. But again, recognize the giver. 
of the gifts and recognize that love is the most important thing. So we're probably going to always have some disagreement within, even within the body of Christ about what do you mean by, you know, speaking in tongues or the Holy Spirit manifesting itself? And is there like a, you know, is there another, is there a, is there another birth that you may have with the Holy Spirit? I know just from my own personal experience, I know that even though I haven't, even though I haven't experienced a speaking in another tongue or any of those types of things, I don't deny that it's not real. Matter of fact, many of my dad's side of the family, they're part of a church that definitely regularly speaks in tongues. They have interpretation of tongues and slain in the spirit, the things that you mentioned earlier. But I'm not going to deny that those things aren't real just because I haven't experienced it. But I also would say that just because I haven't experienced it doesn't mean that I'm not a follower of Christ and I haven't been anointed with the Holy Spirit. So oh. people have different sayings and interpretations of that. But I know that I'm saved. I know that I have a relationship with Christ. And I know that when I was 10 years old, even at 10 years old, I, I knew that I was a sinner and I confessed my sins and I asked Christ in my heart and forgave me of my sins at that time. And, uh, and I know that it's a continual thing. It's not something that happened way back there. I know that the Spirit, yeah. the Spirit guides and prompts us with the words that we say or don't say, whether we should speak up, whether we should do this or not do this. In your case, whether I should go preach or not preach, I mean, is that, I mean, am I listening to myself? Am I listening to the spirit? And those are things that all of us have to wrestle with trying to figure out, is that me speaking? Is that me talking? Or is that the Holy Spirit prompting me? And I do believe that the spirit is real and he speaks into our lives regularly. And we need to be in tune by reading scripture and knowing what God has taught us through his word and being able to recognize the difference between God's spirit versus, you know, Spirits of this world and things that are our selfish own desires may be speaking and we're saying, oh, that must be God speaking yes. when it may be our own selfish desires. And that's tricky. And I, I know in a podcast, we can't we can't get the solution to that in one setting. But I do know that there are different beliefs about that. But I do yes. firmly believe that God manifests himself in a variety of ways to a variety of people through his Holy Spirit. And there are things that are done that I could never explain that yes. just because I haven't seen it. Or just because I haven't experienced it does not mean that I deny it. And so okay. I, I want to be able to respect those who may have had those experiences without saying, I don't believe you because it didn't happen to me. Okay. Uh, I believe bigger, much bigger than what I can ever grasp or understand. And so I need to trust that God knows that there are things that I will probably never comprehend or understand or never even experience. My brother and sister in Christ next to me may, but hopefully we learn from each other and still love and care for each other through that process of humbling ourselves before Christ, studying God's word and forgiving each other in spite of the fact that we may have different ideas of of how to interpret that. Okay. Well, I really have enjoyed this time. And um, I truly believe that, you know, for such a time as this, that you have been anointed, um, you know, saying to speak a word um, in this season uh, as far as like edifying the body of Christ. Um, and I, I pray that God will fill you back up with what you have poured out and that the blessings of the Lord surround you. Uh, and I, I truly enjoyed this time. <laughs> um, is there anything that you would like to add to wrap it up? Because, uh, you know, we covered, you know, uh, review, which I think is needed for such a time as this so that the kids can know, you know, that it, you know, it is, it, it is needed and they should expect it. 
because God chastens those who he loved and, and to teach etiquette, proper, proper talk and, you know, how to respect one another and unity inside the body of Christ, which is, I think that all of this is need to be addressed um, inside the body of Christ, we as Christians or, you know, whatever it may be that you believe in, because the Bible says that in 95 and 3, because he's the God of many gods, he's the he's king of kings, the Lord of lords, I don't care yeah. what you and, you know, we should all respect one another in a proper uh, manner uh, in today's society so that society will begin to flow properly. But uh, is there anything that you would like to add? Um, I would. I, I want to, first of all, just say thank you, Apostle Howard. I have so much enjoyed, you know, you and I met probably about a year ago, the first yeah. time we met each other. And we've had the opportunity to be in the context of a classroom with me being the professor and you being the student. But I, I appreciate the fact that God uh, has been speaking in your life and doing things that I wasn't much aware of. But through our conversations, both informally after class or even, you know, just whenever we're talking to each other in the hallway. Um, I am so thankful for the fact that God has uh, spoken into your life and used your own personal experiences and that you are using your particular gifts and abilities and skills and knowing that all of us have strengths and weaknesses, but God manifests his power through our weaknesses. And I'm just thankful that God is able to use you with your ability to connect people, to ask questions, to draw out stories. And I'm just thankful for the opportunity where I got to sit with you and have you kind of be the professor and yeah. asking questions <laughs> of this student. And uh, thank you for letting me be a part of your podcast. I really do think that communication, as I've said in the class, is the essence yes. and, and learning how to not just communicate uh, the gospel and not just communicate in a civil way, but also recognize that we are going to miscommunicate. And I yes. say this all the time. I know that even though I'm a professor of communication, yes. I know that I'm also a professor of miscommunication. <laughs> I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. And that's a given. That's because we're all fallen and we live in a fallen creation. However, I also believe in a redemptive and a redemptive uh, creation that God has given us the opportunity that when we make mistakes, when we miscommunicate, when we say things that offend or hurt or harm, or when we speak out in anger, that we always have the opportunity to make those corrections, to ask for forgiveness or to give forgiveness where it's sought and be able to get past our foolish pride and be able to say, God, I know I've made a mistake and yes, I need right. to ask for forgiveness yes. and I need to be humbled and I need to go and ask for forgiveness because I made a mistake yes. and there's no doubt that I did. I miscommunicated. Right. I said something harsh. I said something that was uh, not appropriate and be able to come back and say, I ask you, my brother, my sister, to forgive me for what I've said and done and let me make it right. And let's uh, let's agree to move on from this place and try to build each other up instead of tear each other down. So communication is the essence of doing that face to face, mediated through text, yeah. any way that we can where we can reach out. And God's given us lots of tools that we can use. Yes, and I, I personally prefer face to face. But even doing this Zoom, I can still see your face. I can still hear your voice. Yes. But even if it's through texting or phone call, uh, Morse code. Uh, <laughs> I mean, God gives us so many ways where we can communicate with each other. And I just appreciate the opportunity to use this Zoom podcast yes. uh, to be able to actually have this conversation and talk about the, the church, 
communication within the church and all the different things that you've brought up today. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to just share a little bit of some of my experiences and stories with you. I appreciate it, Dr. Hollingsworth. I'm, I'm grateful for it. And um, I look forward to seeing, seeing you. And I just, like I said, I just pray God's blessing and his special protection around you. And um, you be blessed. Thank you. you. You be blessed as well. Thank you, Apostle Howard. Appreciate yes, you. Sir. Yes, sir. Okay. You have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay,